Welcome to Trial by Wine. We take a closer look at crimes that highlight how fascinating humans can be. Schmidt, Swanee and Clarkie visit crimes and run them through their jury of three, debating both sides of the case to agree an appropriate, if totally fictitious, sentence. Please be advised, Trial by Wine may include explicit or disturbing content and will include drunken rambling. Listener discretion is advised. All right, how are we? Not too bad, not too bad at all. How are you guys? Not too shabby. Very well over here. It's a toasty evening and uh, it feels a little bit like being at the Australian Open. It's one of those you know, nice days where it's <laughs> warm and we've had a couple of wines. It's all good. Had a good day. Very mm. nice. Mm, good, good. Mm. Well, we are doing uh, two episodes in a row, so not a great deal happened in the last half hour. But I am on my last mango chutney, so I have to talk about what I'm going to drink next. I know because I didn't expect a drinking game in the last one. Now, Shay, I've got a question for you. Do you have yeah. to um, drive anywhere after this? No. Well, I think you need to join the drinking game, love. I'll get a glass and a bottle of vodka, okay? Because I just got okay. this, which is this and a is, bottle oh, okay. of vodka. <laughs> a bottle of vodka. This was going to be the next drink, oh. which is raspberry. So why don't I put that in with some vodka? Why I'll not? Do that. I was going to say, fuck the glass, just drink from the bottle. <laughs> <laughs> I'll grab a glass and a bottle. All right. right. So. Well, welcome to the game, Swanee. How's this? Now we that really... is good. That looks like oh, a, a beautiful mango chut. Look at the colour of the things. I didn't know the drink was a colour. I've only ever had it a couple of times, so I've only ever drunk it out of the can. But look at that. Isn't that pretty? It looks like a Barocca or something. Beautiful. <laughs> it's pretty. I had better introduce us. I'm Schmitty. I'm Swanee. And I'm Clarky. And together we are... Trial by Wine. And mango chutney and, and vodka and I was going to say, what are we sure drinking? Is. And I'm finishing a mango chutney because the last episode, Clarky made us do a drinking game and I went through hmm, six bottles. So I'm going to move what? on to, <laughs> well, I had one before. Did I pre-gamed you? a little. Jeepers. I've, I've had a hard week, okay? You people? are holding yeah. up well, girlfriend. I've had, I've had a hard Six weeks, anyway. Um, but I'm going to move on to, and I don't make any promises that I'm going to hold up well for the rest of this, but I'm going to move on to a single estate, Ara Sauvignon Blanc 2022, which is a New Zealand drink from the Ara estate. And I've got to say, as far as Savs go, it's beautiful. So, Swanee, what have you Gosh. got? Well, I've been led... I've been led down the garden path by you lot. That's right. I I quickly raced back having collected my dog and I grabbed a a, a raspberry sodaly, which is some kind of, you know, soda drink, and then you suggested that I might jazz it up. So then I went and grabbed a bottle of vodka and I just poured it in. Yeah. And having only ever had those sodas like once before out of a can, I didn't realise it was, it looks like I've created my own vodka cruiser. It's very <laughs> nice. Of it. yeah. Very yeah. Yeah. It's either medicine or a hydrolyte or <laughs> something. It doesn't look alcoholic. And it, to be honest, it could be a tad cold or I should have had ice in it. But anyway, it's quite nice. Okay, beautiful. And boys, what are you drinking? Uh, so we've uh, smashed the rosé in last week's episode. So um, now we're <laughs> on to the Halden Shiraz, which was, Ooh, you may nice. recall, leftovers from the tasting, which was only tasted by 
a couple of us. So um, it's a nice. 2017. It is delicious. Okay. Mm. Good one. Yes. All right. Yes. So uh, where we left our listeners with bated breath in the last episode was effectively, I think, a lot of carry-on from a certain Sante. Sante? Is that right? Sante, I'm calling her. Okay, Sante. Sante, mate. Who Swanee left us feeling that she didn't really like Sante. She hadn't warmed to her terribly. No, no. Yeah. Can you run that past us again, Swanee? I was thinking about it on the drive, actually. I was thinking if I could speak to her, I'd say I'm very disappointed in you. <laughs> very disappointed in you. I think that you've taken a path which you've you've allowed yourself to be a little bit carried away, Sante, a little bit sort of this is the life I like, this is easy, this is easy way to get money. Oh, no, she's Bridget calculating. Bridget Jones would say I'd rather you're angry Calculated, with disappointed. Sorry. Yes, exactly. That's exactly yes. why I'm disappointed. Yes, I've got yes. children, that's what I was thinking. Very um, I am disappointed in the path that she has decided to take. From the and, time she was about four. I don't, I don't foresee good things happening. Mm. But let's see, where does she end up? Mm. And but Your but she does have a strong. genius child, little Kenny, who um, oh, was doesn't she though? staying Ken staying Gina. at home and not allowed to hang out with any kids, and certainly not allowed to be taught about morals by anyone other no. than mother. So that's the wrap up of last week, and. Clarky, I think you're going to give us a bit more intel. Now, I we've am, done, just before you move on, we've done the drinking game, which was all around the gateway crimes. The boom gate has lifted. We're beyond gateway now. And now we're in LAX uh, drinking game. Is, that was well, the one no, no, we so started the, with. No, yeah, so we didn't get that in episode one. So that one is carried over to episode two. Oh, so first okay. in with the buzzer when I mentioned Los Angeles Airport. Doesn't uh, have to drink, but the other one drink. does. Okay. But also I think given that we're in drinking game territory now because Swanee's uh, got herself oh God, a bevy. this is going to get messy. Yeah. I'm going to give you two options for the game for this episode. The first one is drinking every time Sante commits a gateway crime, which we discussed oh, in the last episode. I don't know if my the liberal second, cope with it with the way this woman goes, but okay. Yeah. Well, the, se- the second <laughs> is every time Sante commits a crime that is worse than a gateway crime. You two choose. So what's the working definition? It's well, either a gateway be- crime, which is like fraud, check yeah. nonsense. Uh- Stabbing a pet. Yeah, hanging a no, pet. No, bur- burning the testicles yeah. of a pet. Burning yes. the testicles, stabbing them burning with a hairpin the- <laughs> or a hatpin. Burning the sister's um, fingernails or fingers. Mm. Forgery. Mm-hmm. Forgery, yep. stealing Check. a car. Yes. You know, yeah. sorry, taking it for a test drive for 10 years. <laughs> what else? Oh, burning or- houses down. Or murder, rape. So, you know, they're not gateway. No, no, that's the other I reckon, option. I reckon gateway. Arson's I think. Yeah, yeah. So, do you want gateway crimes or non gateway crimes? I think arson's quite serious. Let's say non gateway crimes because, you know, let's face it, that's where we'll we're going to change the rules today. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Okay. I mean, yeah, okay. I mean don't, don't get me wrong. This has got both gateway and not non gateway still to come, but oh, I think it's All a right. wise move. Let's go with non gateway. Okay. 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 Uh, Los Angeles Airport and non-gateway crimes. Ding. Oh. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you are competitive. 
Your father's really oh, she's got your number. I'm trigger happy. Trigger happy. Okay. <laughs> she's Bottom literally up. programmed her mind to not listen to any words other than Los Angeles. Airport. She has clearly. I was that, is, like, that is totally. So what? And then I heard ding. Cool. I'm like, what? Oh shit. Yeah. Oh no. Okay. I was even shocked. Right. Oh, look, okay, she's so, got an unfair uh, advantage. I was drinking in the last episode. But anyway, move on. Yeah, only six bottles. <laughs> So, um, yes, as you said, last week we discussed the upbringing of Sante, uh, her incredible list of crimes, many of which she was never punished for, which weirdly, well, maybe not weirdly, but empowered her to go on and give her the confidence to go and commit more crimes. We discussed her love for money and the lengths she'd go to to get her hands on it. Uh, we discussed how she was a chronic uh, Winona Ryder-esque shoplifter and also an arsonist. <laughs> And how she'd made a habit of marrying for money. We also discussed the mysterious disappearance of Irene Silverman, whose possessions turned up in a car owned by the Kimeses. Before we get on to the story, let me recap my sources. So we listened to two podcasts, uh, Serial Killers, which was the factual, very informative version of the story, and Mummy Darkest, which was a more comedic version. And we looked at some web pages, so Wikipedia, Oxygen.com, Murderpedia, and VanityFair.com. So the Kimeses had numerous homes in different states in America, and they had numerous house staff to assist them with day-to-day living. Whilst hired help in the home is not uncommon, Sante had her own way of doing things, as we learnt in the first episode. She didn't want nor need to be spending her beloved money on hired help, so she went about taking things into her own hands. Over a period of several years, she imprisoned several teenage Mexican girls illegally in oh the US. Oh, my God. In some cases, going down to Mexico and bringing them over the border herself. Sometimes, oh my to be fair, God. with Ken in the car. How is that to she be then fair? Them- just that well, he knew about it. Wasn't, it, wasn't ju- it wasn't just her. Just her. Yes. Oh my yeah, god! Yeah. Okay. To be fair, yeah. all right. I mean, to be fair, it wasn't it wasn't just Sante. So oh, they then take wow. them back to the house, and she would keep the young women under lock and key, mm. making them work as maids seven days a week without pay, and treating them so badly that it bordered on torture. The cruelty that young Kenny witnessed from the time he was three was astonishing. One maid later testified that Sante had burned her with a hot iron. <gasps> oh. Gateway. Oh, is it that's gateway? More gateway. No. Is it? No. Is it drink or no the drink? Problem is, I think the problem is now everything people is going to be. trafficking. Oh, that's, but the people trafficking is definitely not. This is the problem now because she's done so many. She's so beyond gateway. It's kind of unfair in some ways to even But, be but, and, but burning someone with an iron is not Sante's thing. I reckon, it, it's, I reckon it's gateway. Also, I'll have a seat just in case. Another maid said that Sante had thrown her in a scalding shower. Witnesses, mainly Kenny's tutors, said Sante had made one young woman get down on her knees and beg God's forgiveness and then locked her in a room for several days. Witnesses also claimed she forced another young woman onto her hands and knees in a small closet and locked her there. In another instance, when that young woman passed out after an assault, Sante allegedly kicked her. I mean, all gateway. 
Aren't they? Oh, the, the locking people in a room is probably beyond gateway, do you reckon? Yeah, it's a bit solitary yeah. confinement, isn't it? Anyway, let's have a sip. It's kidnap. <laughs> Jesus, okay. In August, police uh, got wind of what was going on and swooped down on a residence Sante and Ken owned in La Jolla, California, and charged them both with conspiracy to violate slavery laws. Whoa. Non-gateway. Non-gateway. Good God. <laughs> uh, is that because you got a drink again or is that because mm-hmm. of the crime? She needed a drink. <laughs> Good God. Oh, okay. Right. So it was not clear to the prosecutors, and this is why I said it before, whether Kenneth Kimes had been dragged into the sadistic scheme by Sante or whether he had participated willingly, although I think we all know. This is interesting because if this is a man who, according to his first wife, was really controlling and, you know, wouldn't let her do anything and yet, like, he's like, oh, I'm innocent. She's dragged me into everything, this Sante lady. So, Come on, so yeah. I'm not sure if I've got it captured later or not. Um, oh, no. So, anyway, by this stage, Ken was an alcoholic, so he was just a, a bit of a mess and would the drink all the time. So I just <laughs> I don't think he was coping she at says, all well. He was probably sat at home because- going, gateway. <clears throat> Yeah, exactly. Non-gateway. Oh, Oh, Jesus. Monday, Wednesday, Friday we do gateway. Tuesday, Thursday we do (laughs) non-gateway. And every day I'm just smashed. (laughs) Good one, Swanee. Ken and Sante claimed their home was in Las Vegas and it was there that the long trial took place. Sante was held without bail because of her leaving the mink coat trial. (laughs) <laughs> so they didn't want her to run away again. So that's yeah, kind of caught yeah, up in there. But before the trial, she conned her captors into moving her to a hospital because of medical complaints and mm. then escaped by crawling out a bathroom window. Wow. She's a piece of work, isn't she? She's just fearless. <laughs> oh, it goes on and just, on. She is. She is fearless. You're absolutely right. It's like she just Fuck doesn't you. have any sense of... No. Consequence of anything. Consequence, yes, that's right. Yeah, and this is one of the themes that came through in a number of the articles and podcasts where because she just kept getting away with things, she just got to a point where she was like, ah, it doesn't matter, I'll just go and do this or I'll I'll make it work. Sorry, thus far. You know, she's had a couple of, where she's, what's it called, scrubbed out a few times, but for the most part it's, you know, she's been rewarded for her. You know, I, I read at one point she got done, I think it was she that got done for shoplifting, it might have been her son, and then when they were waiting for the police to turn up, she beat her son so badly and when the police turned up, she said that the shop oh. at- attendant had done it. Oh, my God. So that they both got off. Like, <laughs> she's just fucking. Always thinking. Oh, relentless. She must have a, I'm sure you'll get to it, like a diagnosed, it's not being a narcissist, it's beyond that, but then she'll have some kind of, I mean, she's just a fucking nut job, a crazy, crazy. <laughs> I, I think <laughs> she's. And not a good person. She's very naughty. She's she's straight out of the school of Donald Trump, except she's a little bit pre-him. She just uh, thinks she can get away with anything. Well, she kind of has. That's a thing, right? Yeah, yeah, it's worth, for her, for her, like it's sort of worth giving everything, risking things again because a she doesn't really get caught. B she sort of 
it, it has, she's just shameless. Do you know what I mean? It's just no, there are yep. no limits. Well, that I'm aware yep. of thus far. No. So after um, crawling out the bathroom window, she was caught three days later at a Las Vegas bar called The Elbow Room. The bartender, whom she thought was a friend, turned her in. Ah, good. So Ken Kimes cut a deal with the FBI before trial, claiming that he was aware of what Sante was doing but not complicit in it. And I tend to agree with, with that. I think that what I understand, Ken was... You know, hardworking, frugal, knew how to make money, wasn't necessarily anywhere near the way Sante was. Who, you know, she was money grabbing. She was unless he was down the Mexican border, though. Well, but in the car, right? So he probably grabbed yeah. a, I don't know, a bottle of tequila for the drive, and so Maybe. so he knew what was going on. <laughs> but I don't, I don't think yeah. he was masterminding it. I don't think he was locking no. the doors. I don't think he was you know, burning people with irons. I think all of that was her. I think he lived in the house with her and he was aware of it but wasn't doing any of it. Anyway, so he got a three-year suspended sentence and a $70,000 fine and agreed to enter rehab to get his alcoholism treated. Sante, for the first (laughs) time in her life, did some serious prison time. She was given five years. I'm pleased to hear that. (laughs) Yeah, I know, right? Finally. Yes. So Did she become slavery, top dog like immediately? But she's at the JC. I reckon she would have been B for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, with the whole she's iron thing before, sure. yeah. I was just <laughs> thinking about, you know, when B Smith put the yeah. press down on people, I was like, yeah. oh, she's yeah, definitely yeah. got a bit of that. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, don't, don't. So, respect. Childhood the, nightmares. The bit I didn't tell oh. you, and I'm not sure if I've got it coming up later or not, but, I think um, I'm a bit of a Lizzie, though. It kind of reminds me of that now. Yeah, you're a bit. <laughs> so she used to, she used to dress What's herself her up name? as Lizzie Elizabeth what? Taylor. Lizzie Birdsworth. Birdsworth. Lizzie Birdsworth, that's right. Oh, B, yeah, cut yeah. it out, love. Oh, no, <laughs> B, cut it out. <laughs> we love our prisoner slash whip. Yeah. We're very good at that, too. <laughs> My oh, brother's God. obsessed with it I too. I love Doreen. Oh, wasn't she a sweetie? She was. Dor. Ah, oh, it's it's probably a gay thing. Yeah, maybe it is. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so the bit I didn't tell you is she used to dress up like Elizabeth Taylor so that she looked rich and fancy to the point where people would see her out for um, dinner and ask her for autographs and she would sit there with a line of people pretending to do Elizabeth Taylor autographs. Is she a pathological liar? Yes. Among oh, other things. A, I mean, work. we'll probably see her next Tuesday. I'll give her that. <laughs> That's my diagnosis okay. of her. So for, for slavery and torture and all of that, she was given five years in a federal correctional facility in Kentucky. Only five years. Oh, my God. Uh, right? Did she have to serve the five uh, years or was it one of those that was what she served, like six months or something? Oh, I mean... I mean, we'll get to that. They left yeah, the bathroom yeah. window I th- open. I think we all can agree oh. at this point that she didn't get five years. <laughs> so, <laughs> Ke- Kenny Kimes, Kenny, so Kenny younger Kimes, Kenny. I'm sure he's late. Would tell his friends that the happiest time of his life was the three years that his mother spent in prison, not five. Oh, that's sad. Oh, right. There's the answer. During this time, his father not only encouraged him to have friends but sent him to school for the first time in his life. In an effort to spend more time with his son, 
Kenneth cut back at his business ventures, selling some of his motels. He built a pool for Kenny in their backyard. All the neighbourhood kids loved Big Ken, said one mother. He was a nice man, a bit Big of a lion. Big Ken. <laughs> I'm hearing you now. He did Big everything Ken, for his Ken. boy. I think what we were just talking about before with Santa and Kenny, like, like, sorry, Santa and Ken, Kenny's a very different man without Santa around. Okay. Yep. Yeah, okay. When Santa was in prison, Kenny was a nice, normal kid, this woman said. There was nothing aggressive about him. He was not a fighter. He'd walk away if he yelled at him. He wasn't tough. There wasn't a mean bone in his body. According to a neighbour, Kenny did not want his mother to come home. Mm. However, Sante being Sante managed to sweet talk everyone in prison and she was released two years early. She joked upon getting out that she had spent three years staying at Club Fed. Because she was in a federal oh. prison. <laughs> She's just Queen gross. Go yeah. out, B. Oh, no, B. <laughs> <laughs> to celebrate Don't her release. Do it, <laughs> to celebrate her release, Sante arranged a world tour for the family. And then once she got back, she pulled Kenny out of school again was and began the, um, the old. Oh. Sorry, was it that wasn't the, the bicentennial, was bicentennial world tour. The <laughs> <laughs> long anticipated bicentennial world tour. Yeah, yeah. So she then pulled Kenny out of school and began the old pattern of moving him from one place to another. He wrote his friends desperate letters. In mm. one, he sent money and asked them to hire someone to kill Sante. <gasps> He disliked his mother so much, says a friend. Mm. In early 1990, the Kimes' hired lawyer Doug Crawford to fight off a $35 million civil suit that had been filed by their Mexican maids. Oh, that's significant. Yeah, yeah, huge, right? The Kimes' also insisted that Crawford get help from their acquaintance Elmer Holmgren to assist with the workload. They managed to uh, settle the lawsuit but for an undisclosed amount. In October 1990, Crawford's Las Vegas office was firebombed. <laughs> and although FBI Ooh. investigators never found evidence linking Santo Times with the crime, Crawford <laughs> is convinced that she is responsible. I, I mean, at right this point, too. anywhere that fire is mentioned, Santo is there. Swanee, are you sculling Jesus. because that's a... Non-gateway no, crime. Shocking. No, 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 it wasn't. Oh, I was just having a sip anyway. Then in September 1990, the Kimes' Honolulu home, guess what? Surprisingly burnt down. <laughs> Correct. Is anybody keeping tabs on these guys? Anybody? Clearly not. Clearly not. This is I mean, insane. I'm not. I can't even get, you know, pet insurance because, you know, the dog had a couple of extra injections and stuff last year. They're like, oh, what's going on over there? It's like, gosh, you just got to burn your house down. How many times are we up to now? How many things have been involved with six, I reckon, at this point? More? Yeah, but this is a period of time without interconnected computer systems and stuff. Like, when you talk about your pet insurance, they're all underwritten by the same insurer half the time, right? It's not that many people who underwrite. Obviously, in this situation, this she's a clever lady. Whole Lulu, a bit different to yes. mainland. Yes, yes. She's yeah. just she knows fraud. She knows her she's business. Shopping around. She certainly does. She's very good, and she's very good at fire bobbing and setting fire to shit. 
Loves a good barbecue. Holmgren, who was uh, the one who helped them with the uh, settling of the lawsuit for the undisclosed mm-hmm. amount. Elmer Fudd. He, he, yeah, so he was the one who arranged for the couple to be paid out for the 1978 fire at the house. So this is 12 years later. Yeah. Reportedly got drunk and told a friend that Sante had hired him to set the second fire. <laughs> oh. Can't get now, good listen help to this. these days. I I want a job at this next bureau. So agents for the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms found out. Could you imagine working at the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms? You'd just be smoking durries and drinking and shooting Shooting guns. It's the opposite. It's the control of those things. It doesn't say that. I've watched enough TV. It'd be like it'd be like Foxtel days, but with firearms. <laughs> oh, it's really probably more about tax. Honestly, it's about making sure people are paying tax on durries. It's like you know, Stop like in a, in, a, in I know, know but you know, in Victoria at the moment. Well, Shay, are you aware of all of the small convenience stores that are no. being firebombed across Melbourne currently? No. The cigarette wars. Me neither. Oh, yeah. Wow. Are you serious? Yeah, because I'm dead Dairy serious. Beef. Wow. Yeah, dairy beef. So various gangs are bringing in illegal cigarettes. Ciggies, yeah, yeah. And then you know, if you've got one who's got, is that the you know, chop a chop? bit of a hold? Does that mean they can sell them at a price that's more um, affordable, competitive? Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay, yeah. yes. Anyway, agents for the Bureau of uh, alcohol, tobacco, and firearms, which apparently is very boring, found out about <laughs> this, and Holmgren became an informant against the Kimeses. In February 1991, not even six months later, Elmar went to Costa Rica with Sante and Kenneth. And never came back. And never came back. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yep. And not because he met a nice Costa Rican lady and settled down. <laughs> no, no, completely no. not that. Sante later said that he turned out to be a crook and he'd run off. Oh, oh okay. That yeah. must have been a through, lot a, ho- through a hospital window. <laughs> no, why would you go to Costa Rica weather. with them, though? <laughs> exactly. But why would you go to Costa Rica with this woman? Well, he obviously didn't know that they knew. But they knew. So there was talk but of possibly knew. them knowing somebody in the alcohol fire and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And- a mole. So back to the Honolulu. <laughs> slack oh, sorry, ass mole. Back to the slack ass Some slack ass mole. a slack ass mole. Yeah. Mole with fire starter. She's like Stephen King's fire starter. No, isn't that like the prodigy? I heard that song in that fire starter. Yeah. Twisted yes. fire starter. Whee! It's a lot. It's quite intense. So the Honolulu house, the one that was burnt down the second time, was insured by the Chubb Corporation, who you probably know. Mm-hmm. Chubb yeah, the safes. Big. Chubb. Chubb. Yeah, Chubb safes. They do fire stuff. Uh, they, they do they uh, security alarms. Yeah. Mum yep. has uh, a Chubb account things. because... For, you know, if she falls over and presses her alarm. Is that on Pornhub? It's all right. Oh. No. (laughs) What? It's just being rude. A chump account. She's got a chump account. Okay, okay, okay. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, dear. The Chubb Corporation refused to pay damage to the Honolulu house because, of course, they were, they were cottoning on to her. nonsense. Yeah, 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 yeah. But Good, finally. Of course, Sante was furious at the insurer. What a liberty. <laughs> According to lawsuit by Chubb, in 1991, she found them impertinent. No, she didn't really. She, <laughs> she did. She absolutely found well, them Well, I mean, she absolutely did, but not according Come to on, the law. Come on, Kenny. Stick. We're going home. We're leaving. <laughs> Come on, Kenny. <laughs> so in 1991, she stalked the company's CEO. Now, bearing in mind, they were a big corporation at the time, so for her to do that was was impressive. She would lurk outside his home in Far Hills, New Jersey and follow him to business meetings and at one they point... They never live there. Fire Hills. No. Not when an arsonist is stalking you. Oh, Fire Hills. I thought you said Fire Hills. Fire I'm Hills. like, do you know what? Oh, I don't... Jesus. I don't know what I said. I'm too, too far down the <laughs> non-gateway path. And at one point threatened to hurt his children. She's going to stick hat pins in them and put a cigarette lighter under their hands. Yeah. Testicles. She's awful, oh. isn't she? It's just because it just it goes on and on and on. She should not be. Yeah. She should to, be in to, jail. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Many times over. So <laughs> when Kenny went to college, unlike most mothers, Sante went along with him. <laughs> And at the University of California at Santa Barbara, she lived off campus with Kenny and her elderly and somewhat fading husband. Is that because she was still breastfeeding? (laughs) Well, a little bit of bitty. 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 (laughs) Bitty. (laughs) Kenny, bitty. Come and sit on mummy's lap, Kenny. Have some bitty. At the university, she often co-hosted cake parties with Kenny. That's We're so all getting a bit fatigued by fucking Could Santa. Could you imagine it? Could you imagine it? I mean, I'm oh, a fan man. of a cake Put party, away, right? But you, all right. Uh, are you, are you, I didn't pick you as a kegger, Clarky. Kegger. Oh, well, back in the day. Back in no the day. problem. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm more keg. of a whiner now. You are. <laughs> Beer was his gateway alcohol. A, yeah. a barrel. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, and so now I'm a non-gateway <laughs> alcoholic. Uh-oh. I haven't had a beer with you in years, but we've drunk a lot of wine in the last few. Yeah. So on the 28th of March, 1994, Sante pulled up in front of a Santa Barbara bank and went inside, leaving Ken Senior, who was 77 at the time, in the car. When she came back out, Ken was dead from a heart attack. Oh. oh. I mean, it's not that surprising given he was a serious alcoholic. By the way, is there a question about that or did he actually just die of a heart attack? No, there's there's no question about it. Sante, though, wasn't sure what to do. So her first strategy was silence. So she (laughs) didn't tell Kenny because he was away on a spring break vacation in Hawaii anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, Weekend at Kenny's. You're not far wrong, but without the puppeteering. Mm, so okay. instead, so she didn't tell Kenny because um, he was away in Hawaii. But when he came back, she greeted him at the airport, and Kenny said, "Where's Papa?" And Sante said, "He's right here." 
and whipped out Ken's ashes, which were inside an urn. Trigger! Oh, God. Joy, I know it's not at the airport, right? I know it's a gateway. At the airport. Fucking fine, I'll drink. At LAX, right? (laughs) Nope. It wasn't LAX. Who's in San Diego? Drinking it. Well, well, no, I haven't said that. I haven't said that. No. Remember, I've got a drink because I was horrified at this woman's behaviour. Imagine telling your child. I'm with you on that. Reading them from a holiday. (laughs) Your father's dead. (laughs) He's his ashes. Oh, my God. Also. Swanee, you've got some skills because you have somewhat managed to sound as engaged in this story as Schmitty, but the minute there was mention of an airport, <laughs> bang! <laughs> it's just, it's just ticking away in the back of your mind. I'd forgotten. I was like, what are you even talking about? <laughs> I heard the dingo off on there. What's he digging for? I don't know. Oh, Can you didn't actually say LAX, so I did wait for a minute and I thought, I think, I think those pair have forgotten what even the thing was, so I had to get in there just in case. I was trying to work out whether you'd said trigger well or done. tigger. I I'm said trigger, I'm so the, I did say trigger, then I was like, oh, actually, I have to say ding or something. What, what just happened? Ding, ding, ding. Oh, shit, I've got a drink. That's all oh, I no, you, I mean, you mind. say whatever you think. I could be wrong. It could be a different airport. I don't know. It was, but it doesn't matter. Well, she was at Santa Barbara. <laughs> I don't know. But is there an airport that you're flying to there? You're in, she was in San I don't Diego. Know, I don't know. I don't over? know. Stop it. I didn't say you're Los not, Angeles you're Airport the yet. You're lady anyway. You're <laughs> Sorry. The I was, Does that I mean was very Pacific. Yes. What do you mean? Well, it's well, it's going to happen again. Yeah, I was very Pacific. <gasps> okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Los Angeles Airport is what we're looking for, right? Ding. Mm-hmm. Oh, fuck. Okay. <laughs> he said <laughs> okay, I'm gonna have a drink. I'm thirsty. So, um, so understandably, Kenny was horrified, mm-hmm. particularly when Sante produced two airline tickets. She forced him to get right back on a plane where they returned to Hawaii. There, they disposed of her husband's ashes by scattering on a beach near Honolulu. Okay. That's not the worst thing. Is that done. all legal, though, at that point? He died from a heart attack. He was cremated. And yeah, then, no, they, that's I, all I, I think so that's all. I don't, I, I'm, apart I can't from the fact it, yeah. that he, she probably drove him to excessive alcoholism, but apart from that. I mean, we'll, we'll get to the part of it that's illegal soon. I mean, to this point, as far as we all know, it's all all (laughs) above board, but, you know, we'll get there. So with the death of her husband, things heated up for Sante. So she found out that Kenneth had never updated his will and this meant that everything was left to his two children from his first marriage. Oh, I can't believe that she would allow that detail to even happen. That that stuns me. So, so... Pay out. Yeah, no, no, you're spot on, right? But listen to this. Doesn't make sense. So this meant that Sante and Kenny wouldn't get a cent. Sure, she could produce a marriage certificate in an attempt to challenge the will. However, authorities now believe that this certificate was forged, which may explain (gasps) why she didn't go down this path. (laughs) She wasn't even married to him. Never. So there was. There were literally, in some of the podcasts and, and the things I read, she would start calling him her husband in front of people, not yeah. long after they met. It was, you know, she was just so much about this is what we are. Naming Kenny, Kenny, you know, was was another yeah, step in that yeah. direction. It was a constant there's build. There's no question. There's no question is there that Kenny is Kenneth's son. No, no, 100%. 
Their okay. father and son. Of that, but yeah, okay. They, but but the marriage was never legitimate. Okay. Correct, and and then there were also bits about um, her trying to put oh, pressure on Ken to. I can't to... believe that she didn't make that happen. No, yeah, that doesn't add up to me. That what year is so, this? No, but so there, 90... were t- there was no. So let let me tell you. So um, this is ninety one, okay. ninety four. But no, so there was talk about her throughout the whole relationship of her trying to put pressure on him to change his will. And there were also very variances on events, but basically him saying, I'm never leaving my money to you and to Kenny. So oh, wow. potentially she knew oh. this all along. And, and the, the relationship was such that, you know, he was constantly movie. bailing her out for shoplifting and committing crimes. Yeah, but it wasn't. And so he I, I, was look, just. I'm absolutely, I'm extremely comfortable with him giving her nothing. But he had another son. I, I do think poor Kenny is a bit of a, well, you've painted Kenny as a victim so far. Yeah, no, and so that was open for discussion too in, in the, one of the podcasts at least. And I think where they got to was that if he left money to Kenny, she would get it. Take it anyway, yep. So oh, okay. there was no point leaving old, Kenny, Kenny money. How old's Kenny at this age? What's college age? Swanee, he was 19 maybe. 19 over there. Oh, so 19, he's not 21 depending on the state. He's no. probably not it's, an adult. It's, okay. it's, not right. even, it's not even about the law, right? She owns Kenny. So she, you know, he does okay. what she says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, leaving, yeah, yeah. leaving money to her, sorry, to him would end up in her hands. So, yeah, it's. But but that whole it's thing of you know, to she it to her, her yeah okay yeah and so she's yeah. now in a place where she's got arguably nothing so I mean that would make most people panic. Not Sante, her. on the other hand, <laughs> decides that uh, what she needs to do is set Double about down. trying to grab as much of his twelve million dollar fortune as she could. So. Mm. She never told anyone about her husband's death. When mm-hmm. his children or old friends telephoned, she'd make up a story. Oh, he's gone he's off to late. Japan to build a motel. That was one of her favourites. He's in the bath. Okay. Yep. So Sante never had access to her husband's money. All the bank accounts, stocks and real estates were in Kenneth's name. So she couldn't make any claim on it because he would have to sign it over or she'd have to go down the path of saying that he's dead and then it would go to um, his previous family. Blah, blah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So faced with the prospect of losing his fortune, Sante began to steal it. And, Swanee, to your point about the uh, legality of his death. she didn't do it earlier. By putting the social security number of another Kenneth Kimes Possibly the one from Wollongong <laughs> on her on her husband's death certificate and oh forging God. his signature on various documents, Sante was able to keep her husband's death a secret from his heirs for nearly two years. She's see that's why I can't believe during that time she gutted his estate. But she also robbed his children of, you know, mourning an, an appropriate process. Like, that's awful. I she doesn't care horrendous. about that. 
I know, non-gateway. But I'm just saying adding to non-gateway, but I'm no, no, that's gateway. But I'm just adding to all the reasons that Swanee's going to string her up or something horrible, or send her to her room and shut the door. Send properly. her to her room. Shut yeah. the fucking door. I just, I just want to challenge the non-gateway bit. <laughs> Putting the social security number. <laughs> Oh, that's fraud, 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 fraud. I, that, that's fraud. That's more fraud. It's gateway. Uh, yeah, okay, one. all right. Drink. Right. Yeah. Exactly what she did with Ken's fortune is still unknown. She told a family friend that she had lost about $3 million in a deal in Hong Kong. She also allegedly had business in Cuba, including one venture with Kenny involving smuggling cigars. It's funny, when you said Cuba, I said, oh, something to do with cigars, and then I thought, that's ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah, I I reckon smuggling cigars is gateway, isn't it? So Ken Kahn Sr. also had several secret bank accounts in the Caribbean, like the Bahamas and the Grand Cayman. Sante began forging checks. The dad. The dad. Ken Ken did. Big Ken, I think we know him as now. Big Ken. 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 So Sante began forging checks to get the money out. Authorities there believe that a Bahamian banker, Syed Bill Ahmed, discovered the scheme in 1998. Finding this out, he scheduled a dinner meeting with Sante at a Cable Beach hotel. He said, give me a cut, bitch. Yeah. (laughs) And was never seen again. (gasps) Oh! No way. <laughs> that can't be right. Ba, ba, ba. He said, give me a cut, bitch. And she said, I'll give you a cut and slush his throat. <laughs> Where did you find this story? Sorry, Sorry, Miss just on giving. It just keeps giving. It's like the Christmas. Lit- this is like the Christmas lit- of, like, stories. <laughs> I literally Googled Los Angeles Airport. Aha! But not trigger. Hey, got not it. Trigger. Trigger. Oh, trigger. <laughs> Look at Schmitty, you're so behind, Schmitty. Schmitty's just drinking anyway. Schmitty's defeated in this You're taking advantage of my – I I totally am. You're taking advantage of my slower um, responses. Yeah. No, but so that's literally what I Googled and then I had to scroll down a couple of, you know, suggestions and then this came up. I'm like, wow. Jesus. And it took me a long time to realise just how big it was. But anyway – you didn't quite realise what uh, you, right. the, sort of the gold mine that so you found. On. So we've got Elma and not Mahal. Who? Yeah, what was um, his name? Who's Elma? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Elma, yeah, two Sayed, never seen right. again. Um, and, of course, so Sante, Irene, but we've forgotten about to, her. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, no, we haven't. We're, we're going to get back to her. Don't worry. Sante also enlisted the help of an old real estate agent contact of Ken's, David Kasdan, by creating a paper trail of documents it soon appeared that Kasdan had purchased some of the Kimes' real estate empire. But in January 1998, Kasdan received an envelope from a Florida bank he'd never heard of. He was surprised to find that it contained payment books for a $280,000 mortgage taken out on the Geronimo Way house in his name. Unable to sell the house because she didn't own it, Sante had managed to forge Ken's signature on loan documents. She couldn't steal the house, so she tried to steal its value. So she sold the house over to Kasdan, then took loans out on the house, forging Kasdan's signature, 
And then when the bank sent Kasdan things saying you've got to pay the mortgage, he was like, I don't know what you're talking He's about. Like, what else? Yeah. Excuse me. Not surprisingly, <laughs> Kasdan didn't like next, that. Next on HSBC comes to me for a mortgage repayment. Oh, what? I don't know anything about yeah, yeah. S- it. I might repossess my house, which is not ideal. So, yeah, that won't work anyway. Not surprisingly, Kasdan didn't like that and soon threatened to tell all. <laughs> and then he disappeared. His body would l- his body <gasps> would later be found in a dumpster near Los Angeles Airport. Oh, trigger! Oh, trigger! <laughs> I got him oh, first. I, I, got him first. I Anyway, I'll drink anyway. That was the point I was trying to. What, what have I done to it? Now we've been like brainwashed to say the word trigger. I was waiting for it. <laughs> I love that any the sniff of a reference of an airport. Swanny was on it, but when it came down to it, <laughs> yeah, I made a point. I even emphasised it. So his body would be found in a dumpster near Los Angeles Airport. That is so in March disrespectful. I mean, mm. not to say what's the perfect place Trigger? to live. Or do drinking it all? game yeah. or No, no, putting a body in a dumpster. I find that Oh right. It's, you know, like, it's like putting it in and, a septic tank or something, oh, you know, like it's yes, it's yes, really yes. disrespectful. Putting out the trash. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. He'd been shot to death. So Swanee, when you asked how did I find this story? I did that Google search and it came up with a body found in a dumpster at Los Angeles Airport. So I'm like, oh, Trigger, I'll read Trigger. into that. Well done. Uh, <laughs> I didn't even know that one. I'm going to drink for that too. Two for two. <laughs> well done. Now you're like, just, you're charging now. So on January the 31st at 11.19pm, so pretty close to uh, New Year's Eve, a fire was called in at the Kimes' house on Geronimo <laughs> Way. No. Oh, no. It was a- Not another fire. They have <laughs> such bad just- luck. Don't, isn't it, like, really starting to annoy the pair of you that, like, how no one's onto her? Why is no one, like, ready to pounce? And why isn't she locked up? This is pissing me off. Oh, really? it's so annoying. It's- it's so frustrating. Yep. Why is it still going on? Damn, damn last century and the lack of internet. Well, it's, it's that, not that long also ago. Who's God. reported these people missing? Yes, there's so How many people involved. to them? You know, like Do you who's it, No, no, but, but so you can, you can suspect of what, what's happened, but to find yeah, proof of it is yeah. Yeah, yeah. massively hard. Yeah, she's yeah. very good at what she's doing, yeah. Oh, wow. right? She's quite busy. She's incredible. It was a big fire that would burn the house down. Within days, the arson unit learned that the deed to the house had recently been transferred from Kasdan to a Robert McCarran. And Bob. Robert that McCarran. a hefty fire insurance policy had been taken out in McCarran's name, except that McCarran, it emerged, was a man whom Sante and Kenny Kimes had picked up in a homeless shelter. <laughs> Several weeks after the fire... <laughs> that is McCarran- outrageous. They just found Non-gate- someone off the Non-gate-way. street. Non-gate-way. 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 The world needs to know more about this one. She's just vile. I just can't believe I'd never heard of it. And it's, it's in my lifetime. She's disgusting. Ugh. So several weeks after the fire, 
McCarran, claiming to have escaped from them, he told the LAPD that the Kimeses had held him prisoner, beaten him, and coached him to pose as the homeowner. Oh. McCarran told the LAPD that the Kimeses had set the fire. The Kimeses left Los Angeles about two weeks after Kasdan's murder. How did they get out? Did they fly to the airport? <laughs> what airport? Did they fly out of the Which airport one? or did they drive out? Go on, say it. I'm not Which saying airport? nothing. You're telling the story. <laughs> I thought Swanee was trying to make me say it. She was. I can't make you say it if you don't want to say it. I can't make you do anything you don't want to do. Because you're not suntan. Los Angeles Airport. <laughs> ding, 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 trigger. <laughs> ding, ding. I don't know why we're saying There we trigger. go. I, I, know. <laughs> I don't, I don't like care. It's just funny. I don't mind. Can we have trigger. a trigger warning at the start of this episode? Because the funny yes, thing is the it. rules are the person who says it first doesn't drink. But I've drunk every e- time drinks. anyway. Yeah. Oh, me too. Anyway. I'm just drinking because I don't really know the rules anymore. Yes, yeah, so they left Los Angeles about two weeks after Kasdan's <laughs> murder. Following a stop in Las Vegas, they headed to... Louisiana, then on to Florida, and eventually they made their way up to New York. By this time, the FBI, the LAPD, and law enforcement in several states were one step behind them. So they all knew that they were doing bad shit. They just didn't have enough proof. I think it's one step ahead. No, one step behind. No, one step behind. But they were onto them, right? They were chasing after them, but they just weren't quite there. In January 1998, Sante had phoned Jim Blackner, the sales manager of Parkway Motors in Cedar City, Utah, and told him that she wanted to buy a Lincoln Town Car with really, (gasps) really dark tinted windows. Dark windows. windows. She said she didn't want to pay for a, a new one. Boot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, okay. And so they settled on a slightly used teal green Lincoln for which Sante would trade her 1993 Lincoln and pay Blackner $14,973.50. <laughs> Blackner, who had sold cars to Kenneth Kimes for years, said he didn't think twice about the transaction. However, after the car was delivered, the check bounced. Sante <laughs> was very apologetic, saying that she had paid the wrong paid with the wrong check and would rectify the situation. About three weeks later, Blackness says Sante still hadn't paid him. But <laughs> she did call and asked for another car, claiming the trunk of the green Lincoln leaked. How would you know if the trunk leaked? I'm assuming it wasn't from leakage from the body. I'm assuming it was from rain, but, you know. Oh, okay. At this point, point it could be either. Well, no, no, it could be either, right? So Blacken was obviously upset and called his friend Lynn Davis, who was a then detective with the Cedar Police. Sorry, why was he upset? Oh, because she hadn't paid for it and because, she wanted another one. Well, she okay, hadn't paid yeah, for yeah. it and she wanted another one. Yeah, yeah. So she's now just taking the piss, right? On June the 13th and 14th, 1998, according to law enforcement officials, Kenny Sante and Jose Alvarez, a young man mm. Kenny had hired, drove from Florida to New tenant. York in the green Lincoln Is he the town tenant? car. No? Mm-hmm. Nope. 
No, that was a different name, wasn't it? But it also sounded Hispanic. They are believed to have heard about Silverman. He might have been the younger visitor of the tenant. Oh, of the tenant. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Remember the I tenant remember had the, a what, younger visitor and an older visitor? I was very confused by the tenancy business, but... Uh, Manny Guerra. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Guerra it was a war-like work. Yeah, Guerra, Guerra, you're right. I did remember looking it up at the time, yeah. They believed to have heard about Silverman oh, during the time they were living near Palm Beach. Sante, posing as Eva Guerra, had called Silverman's home in the weeks before they left Florida, seeking to rent an apartment for her boss, Manny Guerin. So she's Eva Guerra, he's Manny Guerin. In May, Sante, using another alias, also called a title company to inquire about the terms of the deed to 20 East 65th Street. Upper, upper East Side. Side. Upper East yeah. Manhattan upper East or something. Upper East Side Manhattan. Comma. Pause. Pause. Yeah. <laughs> she phoned again shortly before they left Florida to confirm that there had been no change in ownership. On June the 17th, Four days after Kenny moved uh, into <gasps> Silverman's home. It was Kenny. Kenny was Manny Guerra. Yeah. So four days after Kenny moved into Silverman's house, Sante phoned a title company to get a copy of the deed for which she paid cash on June 24. At that time, she also wrote to the lawyer's title insurance corporation requesting the forms necessary for a property transfer. However, when the forms arrived, she realised she needed Silverman's social security number to complete the forms. Around the middle of June, Sante had phoned Silverman telling her she won a trip to Las Vegas but would have to give her social security number to get her phone. Oh, she fell for that? You're a really rich woman. You don't need a trip to Las Vegas. Vegas, I know. Come on, Irene. Oh, I swear. Come on, Irene, not Eileen. Oh, come on. Anyway, what'd she do? Silverman, not being an idiot and having (laughs) no interest in a trip to Las Vegas, refused to divulge it. Yes. Well done. Good job. She's a a classy chick. Sante had then phoned Silverman's accountant, claiming she was considering a long-term lease at Silverman's but needed her social security number to do a background check. She's like a little rat. Silverman's accountant said, "Piss off." Also piss said, off, lady. <laughs> "Piss off." In Schmidt's voice, "Piss off, lady." Said, "Pet." I said, "Love." I piss said, off, your "Piss mole. off, you Yeah, good. Listen to reason. This is a scam. In the four days leading up to Irene Silverman's disappearance, Sante and Kenny Kimes desperately tried to find a notary public who would sign a deed of transfer for them. Kenny met one late at a hotel plaza, Athene, on East 64th Street and took him back to the house. But he refused to notarise the documents because they had not been signed in his presence. On the 2nd of July, Kenny met a second notary at the hotel and took her back to the house. (laughs) This time, according to the indictment, Sante impersonating Silverman signed the documents in the notary's presence. The woman then notarised the deal. So the woman then notarised the deed transfer bearing Silverman's forged signature. 
Just what the Kinders may have expected would happen when Silverman was discovered to be missing is not clear. They may have planned to frame Stanley Patterson, a Las Vegas associate, for Silverman's murder because on the 1st of July, Sante called Patterson and told him to get on a plane to New York because she had a building she wanted him to manage. Patterson, a casino maintenance man, had bought guns for the Kimeses, including a .22 around the time of Kasdan's murder. Tracked down by the LAPD, he became an informant. So when he got Sante's call, Patterson phoned the LAPD. They told him to fly to New York, and when he arrived at Kennedy Airport on the morning of July the 5th, the NYPD and the FBI were waiting for him. So remember that Irene had had a party on the 4th of July and went missing on the 5th of July. He flies to New York on the 5th of July and the (laughs) FBI are waiting for him. They told him that they wanted to question Sante about David Kasdan's murder and the stolen Lincoln and a few other crimes, and that if he cooperated, they wouldn't prosecute him for Mm. selling guns illegally. He agreed. So when Sante and Kenny met Patterson at the New York Hilton, just after they returned from disposing of Irene's body, federal agents surrounded them. So they've come back from disposing of a body to meet someone at, at a hotel and been arrested. From their point of view, it was all over. Kenny was so frightened that he wet his trousers. Sante, on the other hand, was brazen to the end and loudly protesting her innocence. They had no idea about anything about Silverman at this point. No idea. They got arrested at that point. Nothing to do with the fact that we just got rid of a body. Inside the soul in Lincoln was a treasured trove of incriminating evidence. Irene's passport and keys to the mansion were in the back seat, as was a fully loaded Glock .9mm pistol and a .22 Beretta. There were real estate transfer papers and a notebook that showed Sante practising Irene Silverman's signature over and over again. That is awful. There was an empty stun gun box blank social security cards, handcuffs, extra license plates, syringes and walkie-talkies. The car's contents seemed to have been acquired from a supermarket for criminals. The walkie-talkies or the syringes? Swanny goes, oh, I'm like, are walkie-talkies or syringes? (laughs) (laughs) The syringes. I know, I'm thinking (laughs) Oh, walkie-talkies. Bear, bear in mind the used rolls of duct tape are in Kenny's flat. Sante and Kenny were tried in the spring of 2000. Sante and Kenny were tried in the spring of 2000. After several months of testimony, the jury declared Sante guilty of 58 <coughs> different crimes. I don't know how they got that number. And and 60 for Kenny. Mm. Sante was sentenced to 120 years and Kenny to 125. At their sentencing, Sante was asked if she had anything to say and with that she jumped to her feet where she ranted about her life and the unfairness of her trial (laughs) for more than an hour. She would have gone on for several more, but she was stopped by the judge. 
Enough. Who literally just went, shut up, mole. Enough. I'm done. I'm done, uh, mate. You a little less out. conversation, a little more action. A few months later, Kenny attempted to escape by holding a court TV reporter, Maria Zone, hostage by pressing a ballpoint Kenny pen into her throat. Man. After three hours, he was subdued. And the following month, both Kenny and Sante Kimes were extradited to Los Angeles to stand trial for the Can murder of David Casper. <laughs> During that Can trial. Can I get in there? Bus, train. Trigger, 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 trigger. Los Angeles Airport. Got <laughs> <laughs> the toilet window. So they, ha- they had to stand trial for the murder oh. of David Casden. During that trial in June of 2004, while he was facing the death penalty, Kenny changed his plea to guilty and betrayed his mother by implicating her in the murder. Now, I did hear somewhere that I think he did that to stop her from, was it either being extradited or being given yeah. the death penalty? I Maybe. can't remember which, but like, so he, I'm he, it wasn't a stop he did this to okay, help okay, her. Saying, okay, fine, I'll take it. He also confessed to killing the bah- Bahamian banker Syed Bilal Ahmed by first drugging him, then drowning him in a bathtub and later disposing of the body oh, in God. the ocean. He also confessed to killing yeah. Elma and Irene. So even though her son had ratted her out, Sante maintained her innocence and tried to play the sympathy card. Her court appearances included arrivals via wheelchair, fainting spells, a heart attack, and continuous weeping. The judge, Kathleen Kennedy Powell, didn't buy the illness routine. Well done, Kath. Particularly after Sante took to name-calling and repeatedly calling the prosecutor Mr. D.A. Death. Both Sante and Kenny each received another life sentence added on to their more than 100 years they were already serving. Pointless. Sante was serving a life sentence plus 125 years at the Bedford Hills Correctional Facility for Women in New York, where she died on May the 19th, 2014. Kenny remains incarcerated in California. Now, so, so I spoke to you about how she was so stoke in her professing of her innocence. She just, she didn't back down right till the end she was always saying she was innocent and I also spoke about how for me she reminded me a little bit of Donald Trump in the way that she is evasive (laughs) so I mean your words whilst I was researching this at one point before I got to the Donald Trump bit I was and, and hear me out on this because you might jump at the first bit but I thought she came across a little bit like Dolly Parton, but for completely the wrong reason. So when when you hear Dolly Parton speak, she comes across as very humble, very normal, very non-assuming, despite all of this, you know, her incredible career, her incredible generosity. You know, she, she just is an amazing woman. And this woman comes across as very humble and very unassuming despite Mm -hmm. all of the horrors Mm -hmm. of her life. So, like, from a completely different point of view, you you would, if you didn't know anything else, you would just think that she's a normal person and she doesn't, yeah, and and it's it's incredible because 
when you hear all of the stuff that she's done, and, and despite her denials, I believe she yeah. did all of them. Here we are. It's it's crazy, but she's so, so good at it. And she just, she's relentless with her denial. She mm-hmm. doesn't, doesn't oh, no. give in. I'd be too tired. Early in the whole story, I think in part one, you talked about how the other story of how she met Big Ken was that um, they met with her being the PR person. Yeah, yeah, he was looking. And she does behave like a PR person. Yeah. No no disrespect for people in comms. (laughs) I don't. But people who are like, oh, I'm glad you asked that question. And, you know, that whole, like, everything that you feed me, I'm going to give you another. I'm glad you asked, but I'm not going to answer it. It was planted, which there's no evidence of that. This is bullshit. She's a spin doctor. yeah. She's extraordinary. She really is. Gotcha. So with those two stories of how they met, there's actually you can see why he might have been looking for someone uh, and she fit that bill, but she was the one that was the predator in that relationship. So, you know, she got in, she saw him in Millionaire Magazine. She liked the look of his bank account. She's got enough previous in my mind to say she zoned in on him. That's that the story. is insane. I am exhausted. Wow. That woman just never stopped. Oh, and son. <laughs> right. At the so start, remember, I mean, remember I at the start, I was saying about being busy and how we're we're too busy for. I just can't this believe shit. the caliber. How oh. much she got away with over such a prolonged period of time. It really frustrates the hell out of me. I get so annoyed with that stuff because you know the, every crime is different that we cover, right? Obviously, but. You know, sometimes people, something will happen, they're caught in an instant or this or that, and this just goes on and on and there's another fire. <laughs> and then someone else dies and then there's another fire. But hang oh, on another fire. Then she the window open. Yeah, oh, then she's yeah. taking this money. and then, then, Oh, God. It's right. insane. Oh, gosh. You know, and it's not like it's that long ago. Fires and the shoplifting. Yeah, no one was putting the yeah. dots shoplifting together. Shoplifting I'm not that bothered about, but. Well, you know. <laughs> you know I dabble occasionally. <laughs> no, I don't. No, no, I don't do these things myself, but. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's a gateway crime. You're not that interested in it because now we're in episode two and we're only doing the non-gateway crimes. How the hell are we going to punish them? Well, I've got just, some ideas. I'm just doing a little bit of uh, Googling about the best way to do this, but I think I'm going to put Kenny and Sonte into a medieval cage where I can set some fires under them like the poor goats and dogs that had their testicles burned and have some people put some needles up into them as well. I don't kill them. I just want them to be, you know, gently tortured and maybe sometimes we'll take them out and give them a beating like the Mexican servants. And the poor homeless man, was it McCracken, McCrellen, something? Douglas McCracken. McLaren, McLaren, McLaren. It's got the. Wasn't McLaren. Anyway, the Scottish man who got the shit kicked out of him by them forever. And and can can you drag him around by the hair in the car park as (laughs) well? Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, no, sure, sure, sure. But only only on like off days. Only like maybe once uh, every three weeks. That's a rest day. (laughs) Um, On the Sabbath. On the (laughs) not on the Sabbath because that's very regular. I just want that to be 
everything's going fine. We've had some burns. We've had some needles. We've had some The pun- wounds aren't healing as well. Let's just pull them around by the hair for a bit. And then eventually maybe we should put them in a house that they set on fire themselves and let them burn in their own, the house that they set on fire. I, I really despise this woman. She pisses me off because she gets away with things time and time and time again. And so every time she does something small or, you know, relatively small, then it, it, she gets more sort of bravado and then she moves on to the next thing, the next thing, because she just seems to be able to get away with it. So if I went back to what I thought had originally motivated her, I would say it was money. Emboldened. Correct. Would be money. So very much those early stages, it was all about, you know, where can I um, benefit from? Who can I benefit from? How will I do that? And then after that, every single thing that came after that was eliminating people that were in her way. Okay, or or were you know in the slavery situation, she wasn't trying to eliminate yeah. them so much as they were helping her. Yeah, position, yeah, hundred percent. They're all tools and pawns. Yeah. And so hear dead. me out. I might not be able to articulate this in quite the way I want, but I want every crime that she went to commit to. I want her to go to commit that crime. So let's say it's a fire. But in each instance, she bumbles it, she gets caught, and then she has some kind of um, come up. So, for instance, she might burn her hand or she might do something. So every little thing doesn't go the way it's supposed to go. So her plan doesn't come to fruition. She's gone to light fire house, whatever else. A, she gets caught, so she'll do time, and she's hurt herself in the process. So they're the fire. With the with the maid, something will happen where she's gone to get them in actual fact. She gets caught doing that, and then someone else from a charity goes, oh, my God, I can't believe that. Come and work for us, and they end up being gazillionaires, or they don't need to be gazillionaires, but have beautiful, healthy lives in a free world. You know, so whatever her um, objective is, it's totally reversed, and the people that have been the victims of her crime end up benefiting from her being a bumbling dickhead when she's gone to do it. And each time she goes back to prison, she serves time, and then she's like, right here, I I know what I'm going to do this time. Then she heads out again. This time she's like, you know, I'm going to set this person up. But, again, she gets caught. That person who was going to become the victim, they benefit. And as time goes by, she is considered a laughing stock. People do know who she is. She does have a public profile. It's turned the whole thing on its head. I, yes, I think that's a brilliant sentence. But but when she's back in jail, <laughs> yes. can B. Smith actually put her hand under Absolutely. the steamer? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, Absolutely. Because, again, that was something she was going to do to someone else. Yes. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Everything that she, all the pain that she has inflicted yeah. on somebody else needs to come back to her, but also that the other person who is going to be the victim does benefit in a really demonstrable way that makes her go, oh, my God, that should have been me, right? You know, that, I could have had that money. That that should have gone to me. So they all. Yeah. Yes. Does that yeah. mean Rubber that you think it. she's the main perpetrator and Kenny Jr. gets off? Oh, you know what? I haven't really given much thought to Kenny. I've been so annoyed with her. Kenny's just, oh, I'm definitely a product of his environment. But yeah, I know. Yeah. What a, but it's still a dick and he's still a criminal. Oh, totally. At what point did he just not grow a pair and walk he's away and say, Mum, you are yeah. fucked up. I'm done here. He didn't do that. And Again, he could have, though, yeah. Correct. And there would yeah. have been a, there would have been chances yeah. for him to do that re- relatively early on. If you know, because he was certainly happy to, you know, not so much rat on her later, but you know, we wouldn't have known how he felt terrible when this happened and how the happiest he was like, you know, oh, play that tiny violin for him. That's correct. what annoys me about him. It's like, okay, if you truly felt like that then at some point you should have been able to at least make an effort to establish your own life somewhere else and just go, okay, I'm done. I'm sure she'd probably try and come and try and kill him because that's the kind of woman she was. But 
I reckon his tipping point should have been the ashes yeah. in the urn. Yeah, yeah. In the front yeah. seat of the car. His father, Picking yeah. him up at the airport. Anyway, maybe we should turn him into a clarinet to be played by Kenny G. <laughs> <laughs> Big Kenny. Big Kenny too. No, Big Ken. <laughs> what about you, Clarky? Lou, what do you guys reckon? So this is a, this is a tough one, right? So so in terms of, I'll start with <laughs> Kenny because I think for me, Kenny Kenny never had another life. Like right from day dot, in her mind, she was his to do whatever she wanted with, and she would do anything she needed to to make sure that Absolutely. that was the case. So you know, she controlled who he had contact with, she controlled the kind of contact he had with people to the point where, you know, when when you talk about, and we talk about this with, you know, victims of domestic abuse a lot, whereby they can't leave because they're scared and they've got no one to go to. I think Kenny had no one to go to and I think absolutely he was scared. And I think he tried to cry for help at various points yeah. and no one listened. So, so I feel really sorry for the Kenny that could have been. That said, when he's going around murdering <laughs> yeah. people, I have, I have no sympathy for that. And so, you know, <laughs> yes, yes, you're a victim, but correct, the Kenny that, that eventuated, you know, he's a monster and um, you cannot forgive someone for killing multiple people. You can't. Uh, I mean, I, I think there'd be very few circumstances where I could possibly be okay with someone killing someone. But well, no, well, but I think I guess what I'm trying to say is that once you get past the victim bit, when he's killing multiple people, he's a monster, and and that shit is not okay. He has disregard for human life, and so he does need Absolutely. to be punished. He for didn't that. grow up in a vacuum. I'm, I'm completely okay with that. Yeah, he had all, been around normal people time. when he'd gone Even, to uni and when yeah, he'd like, been, yeah. you know, his mum had been, he had been around different influences at different yeah. times, yeah. And, and I'm, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not a fan of the I was, you know, on drugs and therefore I killed someone and therefore I need to be let off because of that. And I'm not a fan of I was a victim, therefore I killed four people or whatever it was and therefore I deserve to be let off. He doesn't. He's He's become a monster he deserves punishment. I'm not okay with letting him off for doing what he did to all of those people. I mean, he got he got a, as far as I'm concerned, 120 odd years. He probably needed that, God, 10 years earlier to stop him killing all these other people. But anyway, that's the way it worked for her. I mean, she is one of those people that one of those types of people, I should say, <laughs> that I can't stand. She's manipulative. Nothing sticks to her. She's evil. You know, it's I don't know how, how people get excuse me, to a point where they're there's so much about themselves and have so little disregard for anyone, including her own. Especially son. her own you know, son. She is she's just awful. Yep. Yeah, yeah, right. I guess that's right. She just as he just she's just another, he's just another tool to get what she needs. At any given point, and he and he's very useful to her in that respect. Yeah, he does the dirty work. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know I don't like hitmen or people who 
sorry, I don't like people who use it. I don't like people who get others to do the dirty work. <laughs> I prefer work. people and who do the dirty work themselves. Anyway, so I think you two have come up with some very good sentences. So I'm going to approach it from a different Ooh. perspective whilst not a competing perspective. I just think if, it, you know, in, an, in another and from another lens, what I would like, because she got away with everything right, and even listening to her at the end, after everything she's done and her complete ability to just continually deny stuff, what I want is every time, so go back in the timey whining machine to when she first shoplifted. And when she shoplifts, and somebody starts questioning her on it, whether it's the store owner or whether it even gets to the police because it varies. When she starts spitting her story as to why she's innocent and blah, 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 I would like projected on the wall her future Ooh. crime palette. So you know, all these crimes she commits past that point to be, you know, she, she tells her little lies and then her manipulative stories and blah, 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 and then... The world pauses and they can both watch what plays out from that point on so that the poor people who are trying to pick a balance between, you know, do we support this kid or this teenager or this, you know, woman or this grandma, whichever point of her life she's in, they're trying to go, you know, if this is an isolated incident, do I go hard because she's a Winona Ryder shoplifter, or I go, well, you know, she's not that bad and, and maybe I'll be a bit more empathetic towards her. They can actually see wholly and solely what she looks What's like. What's sort of amusing about what you're saying is that we're recording this in December with a Christmas bent, even though by the time this comes out it'll be mid-Feb. But it feels very ghost of Christmas yeah. past, ghost of Christmas present, ghost of Christmas A Christmas future. carol. It's a very Christmas Carol sentencing that you're doing here, which is here's the person at the outset of their life. I haven't even seen a Christmas Carol, but so you know it's not it, deliberate. But, but Charles Dickens, oh you'll know it. What you know. happened to you? Anyway, yeah, you do. The know? ghost of Christmas Everyone past. Yeah, no, I don't know. I don't know. Really? You. I, know, I know of the past ghost of Christmas past, yeah, the Christmas the, present, the Christmas future, um, but I don't know what they the, are. The different versions of the person, how it goes wrong. I mean, Scrooge. No. You know, you, Sorry. I wouldn't watch no, Christmas not, movies not, generally. Like Scrooge. Are you saying that you've never heard of Ebenezer Scrooge? Scrooge. I've heard of it, but I don't think I've seen it in a movie. He's a good, he's a good. He's a good. He's a good, he's a good. So anyway. <laughs> no, I've heard of Scrooge. Not the same. Not the same. No, it's true. Scrooge. Everyone knows. Oh, you're a Scrooge. But I haven't watched Grinch either. I don't know. A Christmas Carol. I've heard the term, yeah. Well, yeah, but I, w I was doing it more so that the poor people who were trying to find the right balance in law enforcement could actually see what would happen if they didn't go as hard as they did and therefore they would go harder on her. But I think that also in that if she's watching it, she might go, oh, now I look like an idiot because That's I've said I'm not all of this, is but there's a moment here that I the am. Individual the says, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I'm going to turn out to be a complete prick and go to hell. She, I don't think that that woman had any concept of hell. So I'm very happy to say that let's just instigate on her that hell's real. <laughs> Take that, bitch. <laughs> Cut that. <laughs> well, there you go. That's the story that of Sante Kimes. On. It was full on. Wow. And thank you very much. And I'm sorry if I sound a bit pissed because. Uh, you are? 
Oh, so totally am. I've drunk like a bottle of Sauvignon Blanc. Three hours of drinking games. It's more than that. I was being kind. Yeah, for, it's hours, it, for a very long time, I've been challenged to drinking games where I've been drinking even when I didn't need to. You've been very good. <laughs> and it's been good fun. So thank you. Great story, Clarkie. That would have taken you a lot to do that. It was a lot. It was brilliant. Larry King slash Clarky and Woot, thank you very much for that. Yeah. Shay Panda slash uh, Swanee, thank you very much. And as we say every week. Well done, ladies. Good done. you already. Ciao. Ciao. Bye. Bye. Ta-ta. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Trial by Wine. You can contact us at trialbywine at gmail.com. Please rate, review and subscribe to Trial by Wine on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to support us, you can become a patron at www.patreon.com, Trial by Wine. Or visit our website, www.trialbywine.com to donate to us. Your support will help us cover many more cases and apply wacky sentences. We really appreciate you listening and hope you tell everyone about us. Our cover art is by John Christo and music is by Beauchamp from pixabay.com.